Welcome to the King's Healing Room Podcast, where we are a kingdom ministry within global presence. We are located at 4326 Pharaoh in Syracuse, New York, 13219, where the executive pastor is Elder Yulon Jones and the senior pastor and founder is Bishop Brian K. Hill Sr. All are welcome. All right. Good evening. So you all are going to have to help me on today because this is me doing technology as well as Bible study. So I am encouraged and motivated on today. I'm so glad that you all have decided to join. And this is going to be an interactive Bible study on today. Can you still hear me? Good. So welcome my brother, welcome my sister on today to a Bible study for the King's Healing Room Church located at 4326 Fay Road. And today it is my pleasure to break bread with each of you and all of you who will be watching now and into the future. And on today our discussion and like I said it's interactive so I'll need you to continue to be interactive inside the chat but our discussion this evening will be on facing adversity and we will use the chapter Matthew chapter 16 to guide our discussion on today so if you can turn to me turn with me to Matthew chapter 16 we're going to exergies that text and draw out some key points. But before we do, I want to go ahead and, and bow and ask the Lord for some exuberant praise. So Father God, in the name of Jesus, we bow before you right now. We thank you. Thank you for this opportunity to commune together. Thank you for the opportunity to come together and break bread, to understand your word so that we can have a ram of word for today, that we will be nourished and we will be filled and we'll be energized and we'll be able to take this word and share it with others. Father, there is no other like you. You are the El Shaddai. You are the King of Kings. You are the Lord of Lords and we glorify you just for who you are. We are know that you are magnificent and we count on you for our everyday manna blessing, Lord. Take this vessel in the name of Carlene Lacey. Reduce me. Allow me to be hidden behind you, God, so that as you reveal your word on today, it will reach your people with exuberant power and bless them and accomplish what you have set out to do on today. I glorify you for the people who are hearing this word. I ask that you put 
a blessing upon their household. Protect them. Make sure that every need that they have is met, Lord. And prick their ears that they may be able to hear. Hear with their spiritual ears on today and draw out what you have specifically for their life. Lord, if you do that for me, your maid servant will be certainly grateful and will give you the glory and the honor for these things. I thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. And thank God. So today we give honor to our Bishop Brian Cahill Sr. in his absence. And we thank God for wherever he is on today that he has exuberant health wealth and joy because the joy of the lord is our strength amen 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 right in the chat let us know where you're at and let us know how you feel about these passages that we are getting ready to go into good morning elder yulon excuse me i keep saying good morning um because the joy of the lord is my strength and it is like it is six o'clock in the morning and i have the whole day to move forward so if it is morning for me it may be morning for somebody elsewhere that's going to hear this message so good morning good afternoon good evening <laughs> so let's get into the word we have a lot to cover on today. Uh, the passage of scripture that we are coming from, if you get your Bibles out, letting you know I'm coming straight from the word of God on today, straight from that word. And that is found Matthew 16. No worries. Matthew chapter 16. And when we go to Matthew chapter 16, some of the things that we will um, read are, are drawing out some key points in this particular passage. And so there's going to be always groups of people, people who have their main objective, which is to deviate you and I from our purpose. And when we listen to these people and allow their words and their actions to influence our thinking, then we surely open ourselves up and our thoughts up that will lead us straight to plummet in a fall. And so when we look at this passage in Matthew chapter 16, it just uh, brings us to the fact that we have to look before, contextually we look before, in the previous chapter of this passage in Matthew, it says at the end of that chapter, that Jesus has spent some time healing the multitude. And as you will see in verse 36, he took those seven loaves and fish, he gave thanks, he broke them, and he gave them to his disciples. And so when he gave them to his disciples, there was a whole bunch of fragments left over. And what he was able to leave on record is that there were over 4,000 men, women, and children who were able to eat off of the remnants that were left. Excuse me, who were able to eat off of the blessing, and then there was a lot of remnants left. And then in verse 39, from a contextual basis, that he sent away the multitude and got into his boat and came to the region of Magdala. 
Now, what's important about that particular passage is, is that Jesus is telling us that after all of the healing, after all of the feeding that he did, that he had to step in the boat and get away. So I'm sharing with you all that there'll be times when there's a great move of God that occurs and there is healing that has taken place and there is an opportunity for those to be blessed. There's times when that leader has to go off, get in the boat, meaning the boat represented that it had to take a, a, a passage or a place or edifice so that they can move from the crowd of people and go and get rest. And so when it says he got into the boat, that's encouraging us as leaders to take that time, to take that space, to rest, to move away from the multitude and to replenish, to refresh and be renewed. I think our pastor is doing a little bit on that on today, taking a boat, taking a plane, getting away so they have time to replenish, refresh, and renew. And I encourage you all to do that same thing at times as well. And so that lays the context for what was happening before we get to our scripture in Matthew chapter 16. After all those miracles, after all that helping, feeding over 4,000 individuals, he came to a region called Magdala, which means tower or greatness in Galilee. And tower, strong, tower, place where people go, greatness in Galilee. Then the verse picks up in um, chapter 16, verse 1, with the word then. 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 Have you ever had a then experience? Then represents that there's a breaking, that there was something that happened before now, and we come to that word called then. Then signifies an aftermath. Then signifies an afterward experience. Then the Pharisees. I'm going to touch a little bit about um, the word then. Uh, I liken it to the word called there. Then and there take place after a particular event. So I'm going to ask you all in the chat, put in the chat if you have had a then experience. If you've had an experience where there was a mighty move of God and then something occurred. So go ahead, put it, pop it into the chat. I, I, I encourage, I want to hear it. I want to see it um, because that will feed even more into the message. So, lest I digress, it says, then the Pharisees and the you still there? Good job. So the Pharisees are people who are self-righteous, people who are known as hypocrites, those who will say one thing and do another. They were um, often equated to be the, the partners of those called Sadducees. And the Sadducees were those who were the wealthy, upper class, kind of uppity people who were involved within the priesthood. And they were members of the Jewish 
sect. So the Jewish sector, they were individuals who had denied the power of Jesus and they believed in the written law alone. So if you have just come off of a miraculous event, you've just come off of a space where uh, Jesus showed up in your life and then you run into a wall or a place for somebody who is self-righteous that does not believe in Jesus, someone who has shared, no, nah, that didn't really happen to you, or someone who is actually a hypocrite, or someone who just does not believe that Jesus and the power of Jesus happened in your life. Well, that's what the Lord is describing in verse one, is that he came to a place where the Sadducees and the Pharisees came testing him. I was like, what? How dare they test after they saw the miracles that Jesus performed? They saw all the people who were fed and they gonna test him and say, show us a sign from heaven. Isn't that just like what we do now in this world on today? Jesus can show up so mightily in our lives and he can move mountains. He could provide for us. And we still say, some of us still say, show us a sign, Lord. Show us a sign that you are here. Show us a sign that you have my best interest at heart. I'm telling you, if you take this scripture and you go line by line, precept by precept, it'll make you just be like, what? And then in addition to making you say, what? It'll make you scratch your head and say, this is me. So when I read that, it showed me, me at that time, that there could be some miraculous things that happen and I still carry a sense of doubt with me, or I still am questioning the dunamis power that Christ has in my life. And so I was very encouraged when he answered and said to them, when it is evening, you say, it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today for the red, the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites. You know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. Oh, he said, a wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign and no sign shall be given to it except of the prophet Jonah. Then he left and departed. I was like, whoa. He's saying, and, and, and we likely see it right now today, we can look outside at the weather and we can say, you know what, I, it's gonna rain. It's gonna rain, I see it, the clouds are, are dark, the sky is dark, it's gonna rain. But then, when God is showing us in our lives, if we're going down a path that is not righteous, we, we can't tell. We can't see that sign. Um, and, and I just found it very comical how God says in this passage 
that he used weather. And when he was using weather, it, it had me thinking about the snow that we had going on even just this week. One day it was hot. It was very nice outside. There was no snow on the ground. We got reports that there was going to be a storm. The very next day, I received calls that some people got a little bit of snow. Some people got a little bit of rain. But where we live, it was a whole heap of snow, six inches. And we had to go out and shovel and, and everything. And so when I think about that and I think about the sign of the times, we listened to the news reporters. We prepared. But in some areas, they did not get the same experience as we did in our area. And likewise, with us as believers, we may be in the same earth, but we may experience things very differently than our counterparts experience them. So that was good news for me when I started thinking about the weather and how it was impacting uh, my life and ours. Now listen, I don't see anyone in the chat on today and I just want to make sure that I'm not speaking just to myself, even though I know that me, myself, and the Lord are here having a good time. Uh, I'd like to hear if, if there's someone out there in virtual land, drop me a note. Let me hear what you have to say about that particular passage. Good job. All right. I see some in the chat and, um, Thank you all, because I'm able to see how the chat works, and that's that's fine. Okay, so we're going to move along. I see you, Mother Hill. Good evening to you as well. So as we go down to, to verse 5, uh, Jesus then is talking to his disciples who had come over to the other side because remember he got into the boat and he started talking to his disciples and Jesus said to them, take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And so we're talking about facing adversity and we're talking about the fact that there'll be people who will sow seeds of doubt into your mind that will totally diminish all of the things that the Lord has just done and the miracles that the Lord has just done. And Jesus is leaving on record here in verse six. He said, take heed, meaning take notice, beware, be alert, be on guard, that the leaven, and when you think about leaven, you think about the leaven that is in bread that is provided. And leaven allows the bread to rise. And so if you think about the Sadducees or those self-righteous people, when you think about the things that are having them rise, 
or the issues, it will rise inside your spirit and get you to a place where you will feel that you are um, not worthy. And he said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And so his disciples, he said, and they reasoned among themselves, is it because we have no bread? And Jesus said, being aware of it to them, O ye of little faith. O ye of little faith, why do you reason among yourselves because you brought no bread? And so, do you not understand or remember the five loaves of the 5,000 and how many baskets you took up? And so Jesus, in this passage, it seems a little flustered or agitated at his, his disciples because he said, you all knew and you all are right alongside me. How come your faith is still so small? Is little. And I like how it says in this passage, oh, you of little faith. Because in another passage, he says, all you need is a faith of a mustard seed. So I was inquisitive to when I was reading this to say, oh, ye of little faith. He's saying you still, you've seen much, but you still have a lack of faith. And that is diminishing your belief of what I can do in your world even though you have just seen me do miraculous things. How is it in verse um, 11, how is it that you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread? Hmm. How is it you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread, but to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Wow. Often we will speak and we're getting a parable across and a person may look at that word very literally and miss the whole point. And so what Jesus was saying to them, the key point that he was saying is to beware that the words that the Pharisees and the Sadducees, word that the Pharisees and the Sadducees were sharing, that word is what he was trying to get across to the disciples. But the disciples was so keen on the leaven and making that a part of the bread that they missed the whole point. Tell me, is there times when you may have missed the point that God is presenting? There's a time that you may have um, overlooked the very key message that he is sending to his people. And there's times when it, it may be so much clamor and noise that you just you just didn't get it. 
And his disciples didn't get it. They didn't get it. And he was like, really? I'm telling you plain English and you're still not getting it. So then uh, he goes, he, after Jesus says that, then the disciples understood that he did not tell them to, be, to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees. So we have to know what the word of God says for our life so that when we hear doctrine that is limiting, that is um, um, puts us in a box that limits the largeness of our God, that we can uh, block our ears to it. We can stop our eyes from seeing it and we can ensure that we continue to advance the word of God with the spirit of knowing that our God can do anything. Our God can do all things. Our God is all things. And so when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say I, excuse me, who do men say I, the son of man am? And so he was asking his disciples, what's the word out on the street? What are they saying about me? You've been out there. What have you heard? And so his disciples said, some say you're the, you're the John, the Baptist. Some say Elijah. Others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And so when we go out into the street, or we go out into our communities or in, in influence the family members. And they say, well, who is that Jesus that you're calling on? Who, who do they say they are? Who do you liken him to? His disciples was, was saying, well, you know, they're thinking that you, you're, the, you're the person who is coming to precede the one in which we are looking for. So they had not really taken in the fact that the miracles that this this um, Jesus was doing, that he was the Messiah. And when I read that passage, I was saying that often when we're speaking to people, they know of Jesus or they know his name, but do they really know him? And when you really know him and you know the power of him, then we are able to answer Jesus like passage 15. So Jesus, then he said to them, I asked you about what do the others say I am. Now I'm going to ask you, who do you say I am? And this made it personal to the disciples because um, it's one thing if I say, well, uh, my, my sister, my brother, they may believe in something else. But when someone asks me who do I believe in? Who do I say Jesus is? Then I'm accountable to ask, to answer that question personally and to declare for my own self, who is Jesus in my life? And what's so powerful about it is it's connected to that word that says, uh, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow 
and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so that is a foreshadow of being able to be uh, connected to that statement to say, personally, who am I declaring who Jesus is? So watch this. So Simon Peter answered and said, you are Christ, the son of the living God. Mm, mm, mm. You it is absolutely, absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. So when I think of you ask me who you are, you're the son of the living God. Woo, Jesus, I think about that song. You may ask me who he is. I'll tell the world. I'll tell them that he is the son of the living God. And Simon Peter answered, you are Christ. I love it because when he said you are Christ, he recognized the risen savior. He recognized that Christ was in his place before he said Jesus. He didn't say Jesus Christ. He cried. He called him out of the place of purpose. He said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Hey, <laughs> amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Mother Hill. I know I love it because I know that there is someone because you said at the name of Christ Jesus, every knee shall bow. And it shakes something in you when you think about that name, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. And our brother Peter was the one who, who failed Jesus, but he was the one who spoke up for Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. You are the Christ. So I ask you all in virtual land on today, who is Jesus to you? Who is he to you? Well, for me, he is the Christ. He is the, he's my strength. He's my joy. He is my confidant. He is my friend. He is. And anything else you can fill in the blank. He is. And when I think of he is, I think of I am. When I think of I am, I think of when he told Moses, who sent you? I am. He is the Christ. He is the one who gives us our marching orders. So in verse 17, Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. Simon Bar-Jonah. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Now, what I want you to look at is when you see in verse 17, where it says Simon bar Jonah and back over in verse four, it said a wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, but no sign shall be given 
to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. So when we look at bar, the meaning of bar in the passage, then what it says is it is a fastening or an obstruction. Bar, and then let me see, add Jonah. Bar Jonah. And what that meant is because his father's name was Jonas, he was the son of Jonas. So that is what Bar Jonah meant. So when it says the prophet Jonah, then it eludes here that flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. Simon, the son of Jonah. So that Simon was able to understand what his father had pronounced. Because a prophet is that who declares the word of God. And so if it says that the sign of the prophet of Jonah and Simon was the son of Jonah, that flesh and blood, he got the prophetic voice that was declared and flesh and blood did not reveal to him that Jesus was Christ, but the father, Christ's father who was in heaven revealed it to him. Sometimes when we say things, uh, this, this passage says uh, that a child and a child shall lead them. Sometimes the most uh, amazing, mm, what do I want to say? The amazing as well as the purest things come from our children. It comes from those who are babes. It comes from those who have not been tainted by the world. And so when I looked at Simon Bar-Jonah, it told me that his belief started in the home, in the family, young. And he was able to connect with that Holy Spirit that was inside of him, or as we can see it now in retrospect, and he was able to say, you are the Christ. The Holy Spirit will bring back to our remembrance those things that we learned and that was implanted and imparted in our spirit when we were a thought in Christ's mind, when we were a thought before we were in our mom's room. Hello, Bishop, how are you on today? Good greetings to you from the Carolinas as well. On today, we are talking about facing adversity and we are using the passage and walking through Matthew chapter 16. And we're gingerly walking through that particular passage and we're learning about um, how Christ Jesus was viewed amongst the multitude, amongst the Sadducees and the Pharisees and amongst his disciples. And we're now at the place where we are at verse 15, when Jesus is asking his disciples, who do you say I am? And then we saw, and we talked about Simon Peter and how he answered Christ and said that you are the Christ, 
the son of the living God. And Jesus then, he went into that and said, you know what? You are blessed. My father told you that information because flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. And I am so glad that all of this teaching and all of this training, that there is one person who has gotten it. So that is what verse 17 said unto me. And then verse 18, it says, And I also say to you that you are Peter, meaning Petros, meaning rock. And on this rock, I will build my church. I'm going to pause there because on this rock, on this rock, Peter, meaning the word that Peter said, which Christ the son of the living God, that is the ultimate message that we decree out to the world, that Christ is the son of the living God and that he has all of us in his hands and that all of us who call upon the name of Christ Jesus shall be saved. That is the message. That is the good news. He is who we build our church, our foundation, our flesh upon. So I will build my church. Who's the church? Put inside the chat who you think the church is. Do you think it's the building that we go to on Wednesdays and Sundays and Tuesdays and Saturdays? Do you think that the church is your home? Do you think it's the church that is the tribe that you live and which is your family member? Who do you say the church is? Well, Christ says, on this rock, I build my church. On this statement, I build my church that Christ is the son of the living God. I love it. I love it. And he said, and the gates of Hades, hell, shields, shall not prevail against it. If Christ, I'm not even going to say if, Christ, who is the son of the living God, Christ, who is the risen who died for our sins and rose on the third day. Christ, who through the transfiguration showed himself to others. He said that Hades, hell, shields will not prevail, will not win against the fact that he is the son of the living God. Then he goes on and says, after he has established, this is my rock, this is where I'm going to build my church. Don't even worry about it. I've already fixed it. Haiti's not going to deal anything about it. They're not going to win. Then he says, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. I don't know about you all, but keys to me represent ownership. It represents responsibility. It represents that you are a part of something greater than yourself. When you have keys, you have access. When you have keys, 
you own. When you have keys, you have a spirit or a space of influence. I will give you the keys to the kingdom and not just the kingdom, the animal kingdom or the, um, the, 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 the human kingdom, but he said the kingdom of heaven. And when I think about heaven and I think about the space at the beginning of Genesis where it says, and the earth was out form and void. And, and I think about it in its most purest form. At that moment, when I think of heaven and I say, everything has the peace that is tranquility, that every need is provided, that every um, um, issue has been resolved, a state of heaven, knowing that that place of peace and tranquility, that that is a part of the kingdom of God. Now, the next verse says that whatever you bind on earth. So when I think of whatever you bind, whatever you allow to uh, think about handcuffs, that you captivate on earth and on earth i'm not just talking about this worldly earth i'm talking about the flesh and blood in which we are so it says we are made from the clay so whatever we bind in our earth in our bodies in our mind shall be bound in heaven whatever we loose in our bodies shall be loose in heaven so whatever you allow that's what you're going to go towards and um and so when he said i'm going to give you the keys to that kingdom it just really brought me back and 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 feel free to write into the the chat but it really brought me back to genesis where um those keys to the kingdom is the key back to the garden of eden where we had license and reign to do and to keep the garden. And I'm just going to pause here because I'm curious right now about your reaction to that. So can you share your reaction to that particular point right now? I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and back here in in genesis it said it says that he was told adam to keep the garden and that he can dress the garden and eat anything from the garden but not touch two trees the tree of knowledge and the tree of good and evil um and so in verse 19 for me he was he was giving us an opportunity to go back to where we started to go back to where things were pure and in our minds and to tell us or give us an opportunity to choose again. So when we're speaking about 
facing adversity, it's really key, or I invite you all to think about some of the decisions in which we make. Um, if God has given us the keys to the kingdom and he started out in the beginning saying, you have all access to every single thing here except for two things the tree of good and evil and the tree of knowledge in your world and in my world god said to me you have access to to anything daughter that is within my will and in my way for your life you just have to study and and, and listen to me and I will give you free reign. I'll make you a billionaire if that's what you desire to be and you're able to bless me in that space. I'll give you the desires of your heart if you bless me and you give your 10% for it. When I'm in that place of humility and he's given me the keys to the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of peace, the kingdom to walk with him then whatever i do in my earthly body whatever i do with my actions i'm gonna do to please my father which is in heaven put in the chat what you think about that And I keep staying on that part for keys. And I keep staying on the part for kingdom of heaven. Because I think that this generation, and I mean young and young at heart, seems to think that we're missing something and um, are, are attracted to the world system more than the system of God. And I know that that's not anything new. There's nothing new under the sun. But when I looked at this passage and said, if you provided us, God, access to so many things, then why do we continue to choose the very thing that you've asked us to stay away from? Why do we continue to choose uh be disobedient by not surrendering ourselves to you. I'll just just start there. Amen, lights. That's me. Um, before you even get into the sex, drugs, and rock and roll, let's just start with just obedience. Start with submission to uh, to the Lord. Then submission to our leaders. And then submission to ourselves. Submission to our our bodies. But we're overindulging. We are, it's a me, myself and I world. And we're wondering why we're experiencing so much chaos and while any and everything goes. We're experiencing now Sodom and Gomorrah to the 10th power from my perspective. And he's calling on us to stand on, on the word of God. And he's calling on us to be that, 
church, to be that rock, to be that Petros in which he can build and continue to build to say, this is the remnant that I have that's going to um, show up and be be the light to this dark world. And so I've said it a couple of times on today. Um, I'm really curious. What do you think about this particular word? What do you think about the passage of how God feeds the multitude? How has he fed you? And then what do you think about uh, right after the miracles that God has shown us, how easily we are distracted and deterred when someone who has an opposing view comes in front of us. And then I'd like for us to think about um, when we see an abundance, how often do we still walk in lack? And then lastly, what I'd like for us to think about is who really do you believe that Christ Jesus is in your life? I paused and I closed the book on that one. I literally, not literally, I closed the Bible because I said my whole world today is built on the fact that Christ came, died, and rose again for me. I think he did it for you too, but you know, you all know out there that I'm his favorite. And so I'm just speaking from that regard. He did it for me, just for me. <laughs> uh, and then I think about the president that said, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. And I look at it and I say, ask not what Christ can do for you, Carlene, but ask what you could do for Christ. And it's in that space where I'm very humbled and I fall short and I, in my humanness, recognize that there's a lot more work that needs to be done individually, collectively as a body of Christ uh, and generationally to shift the minds and hearts of our younger generation. Um, so when we're facing adversary, adversity, excuse me, that's what we can rely on. We could rely on turbulence happening. We could rely on individuals coming against us, but we can rely upon Christ Jesus setting his rock and he used Peter and Peter, like me, 
had a lot of flaws. I know that nobody out there has the amount of flaws that we may have. Riled up. Times of disbelief. Frustrated, wanted to cut people's ears off. I know none of y'all had those issues. Um, almost schizophrenic in our praise. One day we're high on the mountain. The next day we're sitting up there crying saying, oh my gosh, what is happening? I'm sure that nobody on this call or in virtual land has experienced that. I'm sure of it. But me and Peter, <laughs> you know, we vacillate at different points saying, oh my goodness, do you want to use me, this wretched person, me? And, uh, and he used Peter. He used Peter as an example as an example to others to say, no matter where you are, no matter what you have done, if you call upon my name, I still have use of you. And that I'm encouraged. And I encourage you all on today to, to just breathe and know that Christ is available for you. Mm. So, share with me one thing that Christ has done for you on today. Would you please kindly write in the text just one thing that Christ has done for you on today? And if you're struggling to think about it, then I encourage you to open up your Bible or I encourage you to go to a local hospital, go down the children's ward or go to a place where someone is experiencing homelessness or doesn't have enough food or even better yet, Go into a boardroom and you see all of the many hours that a person has to work and you have your time where you're able to be free and do the things that you want to do. Call up a friend and see if the first thing that comes out of their mouth is, this is a glorious day. I have every and all things that I need. If you can do that and you have all your needs met, and you are able to say in the face of adversity, this is the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in my eyes, then you have the tools, you have the key. Share that experience, share that joy, share that knowledge with someone else. Because even when we've done it all, then it's our responsibility, like it's said in here, I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. It's our responsibility to reach out and to pull somebody else over, to invite somebody else to the love of Christ. So on today, I'm going to close out. It has been an amazing experience for me. I hope it has been for you as well. Um, 
our passage was to in the face or facing adversity and we took it from we walked through Matthew chapter 16 in its entirety we just kind of pondered at some of the text that was there and so as you go into your day just remember that passage remember the characters in that passage remember the Pharisees, the Sadducees, remember the multitude, remember uh, the, the disciples, and then remember Peter and remember Christ. And when you've done all of that, remember what he asked, who do you say I am? And then spread that joy and that word to others. I trust that you all will be well. I love you much. Um, coming live from the King's Healing Room Church, 4326 Fay Road, where our bishop and founder and senior pastor is Brian K. Hill Sr. And all of the elders and the deacons and deaconesses in their respective places um, signing off. And we will see you on the next time. Have a fantastic day. Love you all. Be blessed. If you enjoyed this podcast, we have three different ways that you can give. One way is using the Giveify app by downloading Giveify using your iOS or Android device and search the King's Healing Room where you will see our senior pastor, Bishop Brian Cahill's senior photo. You also can use our text to give. Here how it works. There are five steps. Step one, text GIFT to 1-844-981-2759, which is a unique to the King's Hill Room. Step two, you will receive a text with instructions. Step three, follow the instructions to set up a given account. Step four, text the amount you want to give and the designation. It could be a tithe, offering, or general fund. In step five, you will receive a receipt via email confirming your gift. And here's the last way you can give. You can use PayPal and send your donation to tkhroffice at gmail.com. That is T-K-H-R-O-F-F-I-C-E at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe to listen to more messages like the one you have heard. We are the King's Healing Room and we are a kingdom ministry with a global presence.